Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What's going on and welcome into the Monday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. Daniel Salerson here for our roundtable discussion today. The Pelicans are back home after a very successful road trip. Two wins, one in Chicago on Thursday night and one in Indianapolis against the Pacers on Saturday night. Joining me now for our roundtable discussion, Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com, Todd Graffinini, radio voice of your New Orleans Pelicans, and Caroline Gonzalez, radio studio host, sideline reporter, analyst, you name it, it's Caroline. <laughs> As, uh, let's talk about this win. We'll start with the two guys that were on the road trip, Todd and Jim, um, Saturday night against the Pacers. And, you know, no Zion Williamson, no Brandon Ingram. But you're starting to see the depth come into place here with this Pelicans. As far as ranking this win on Saturday, Jim, we'll start with you. Kind of how do you put this in perspective of how big of a win it was against Indiana? I think it's up there near the top because to not have Brandon Ingram and Zion, like you mentioned, and be able to uh, come up with a win against a really good team. Um, it was one of those games where I, I felt like they were just kind of hanging around, and I was a little concerned that at some point Indiana was going to put a run on. But um, I think with about five five minutes or so left in the game, it was anyone's game, and then the Pelicans had a great close to that game. So I, I'm just I was just really impressed by the fact that they continue to to win, especially on the road in circumstances where things are not ideal and so it's just been a credit to the way that they've played over the last few weeks Jim I'm gonna have to agree with you I've been actually thinking about this the last few hours about the ranking of the win and to me the three signature wins this season have been Denver on Christmas night Detroit when we had what eight guys yeah Mm -hmm. and the other night this might be number one when you consider the opponent you were going up against and they look they're a desperate team they're they're kind of slipping in the eastern conference talking about indiana yeah um they have now lost five in a row but you know as we like to say that's a them problem we had to go in there and take care of business um and you're right they kept hanging around hanging around and you're thinking man we played so well the entire game are are we going to let indiana just come in and steal this thing at the end but to the pelicans credit it did not happen and you know, that's we saw down the stretch what Drew Holiday is capable of. He took the game over when you had to have big buckets. He got them. And, uh, 
you know, just kind of watching the highlights again, I think lost in the shuffle was that drive that Lonzo Ball had oh, yeah. uh, with about 45 seconds left to, to put the Pels up by five. Uh, that was such a huge, huge bucket. But I don't know. I, I might – I might go number one as far as uh, as far as the win itself in the grand scheme of things this season. I feel like everyone is getting more comfortable in their roles, and that was on display in that game against Indiana. I feel like you saw Drew doing what he knows how to do and what he wants to do on offense and on defense. I think you saw Lonzo Ball. That drive was great from him, and he said it's the healthiest he's felt um, in a long time or maybe ever in his career. And so I think you're seeing those roles that people have – that, that guys have developed throughout these first 50 games finally coming into play. And I think it was a big win because, yes, Indiana didn't have Victor Oladipo, but that's the team that they've been playing with for the majority of the year and the team that's got them in, in playoff contention. Um, and the Pelicans were, out, were without Zion and Brandon Ingram, and I think that's uh, a huge um, positive to take away is that you know guys are finding their roles and getting a little bit more comfortable where they fit in on this team. And I know everyone was upset, understandably so, when the Pelicans were losing 13 games in a row, but they were still trying to figure it out. It, you know, it's just, it's just a shame that they had to go through that to get to the point where we are now because obviously this team, as it's constructed and, and with everybody playing and everybody healthy, there's no way in the world you're losing 13 games in a row. Absolutely. And you, uh, we talk about these roles before we get into kind of the importance of Saturday's win and the importance of the road trip. You talk about some of the reserves now that are really stepping up. J.J. Redick has had two really good games on this road trip. Josh Hart started in the place of Brandon Ingram this game, but at the same time, he's been coming off the bench, putting up double-doubles and doing well. And then I think the other guy that's been benefiting a lot from Zion coming back at least is Todd's boy, Nicolo Melli, who's been shooting lights out in the last 10 or so games. I know Todd's been tracking it on the broadcast. So, Jim, when you look at not only the starters finally playing together for the first time or a string of games together – you have guys off the bench that are really fitting into the roles nicely. It just feels like across the board there's so much more confidence, whether it's from an individual standpoint or collectively with the team overall. Um, Frank Jackson also had played 22 minutes in that game and probably had one of his most important contributions of the season. Um, so it, it's just been the kind of thing where I just feel like it's kind of built on itself as well where – the I, I talked about how I'm I was concerned, you know, that Indiana was going to put a run on, but um, I feel like ment the mental toughness of this team has increased so much from what it was earlier in the season, where it seemed like you know when you have a bunch of new guys that you're you're throwing together and they're all trying to learn each other. Sometimes when adversity hits, especially on the road, things can kind of fall apart. But it just seems like lately that they've been able to withstand any negative circumstances or anything that happens within a game. And they've won 10 out of their last 14 on the road. It just, to me, that just speaks so much to just collectively what, what, what they, their mindset right now. It just seems like they are able to handle so many different situations. And I've been just really impressed by, by what they've done lately. And, and kind of to what Todd was saying earlier, it, it does, it is, it is kind of what, what could have been when you think about um, if the, if they had health earlier in the season. I mean, I think J.J. Reddick said in the interview that you guys had after the game on the radio that it's 16-9 and nine in the last 25 games. Yeah. I mean, you look at you look at this team and you're just like, you know, this looks like a playoff team yeah. for sure right now. If you cut that losing streak in half, you know, well, in November. And, some, and so five or six of those games were yeah. so winnable that we yeah. just did not finish. And, again, you got to learn the hard way, I guess, is the, is the expression. But 
Um, you know, it, it's just been fun to watch. It, it's really been fun to watch this team gel and grow and, and and get to the spot where we are right now. And there's, you know, there's 29 games left. So I guess the highest compliment that I can give to the team right now is I can't wait for tomorrow night. I'm, I'm ready for the next basketball game. I mean, this is this is fun stuff. And then the road trip couldn't have happened at a better time as far as momentum is concerned. We talk about, you know, playing your best basketball late into the season with a schedule eventually lighting, you know, lightening up. You know, I'm waiting for this lighting of the schedule. <laughs> Daniel, you've been saying this since October, man. I mean, I have not I definitely seen not any... say it since October because I know the how <laughs> tough the schedule's been. But once we hit March, I feel like we do get into it. Jim was talking about the teams we play in the East, or the Pelicans play in the East, they've already played 20 games. They have 10 more to go. Eight of those 10 are against teams under 500, and the other two are at home against Miami and Philadelphia. So it does eventually get easier. The last 15 games are what really stands out, but you also have to get within a couple games in order to do so. In Carolina, you look at those two wins, and now heading into this week against Portland and Oklahoma City. I mean, Portland has been playing lights out. Damian Lillard averaging almost 40 points per game in his last 12. The Thunder have have definitely been a surprise this season with Chris Paul and Danilo Gallinari and Shea Gilders-Alexander. I mean, these are two tough home games, but can you imagine riding into the All-Star break on a four-game winning streak? Yeah, and uh, Drew Holiday t- talked about, you know, winning every game, and I think it was J.J. Redick on the on the post-game interview with, with you guys is he said, we got to be 1-0 in every game, and you just have to approach every game like, okay, this is the most important game. Yes, the schedule might get easier. Yes, we're approaching All-Star break, but you need to go 1-0 and every game, and you need to – um, just take whatever whatever game is in front of you and win that game. Worry about that game. And the wins that you're stacking up now are, are going to be important, but you just got to take it one game at a time for right now. And I know it's human nature, guys and gals, to, to look at scores and, and scoreboard watch, but it's going to – it's going to really upset you because Memphis is just – I don't know what it is. They're just they they're really solid. They're really, really solid. The only thing you can take care of is what you're going to do each and every night. You can't worry about what Memphis right. is doing. Mm-hmm. Even though Saturday night when we got on the plane it was fun because cause Sacramento uh, beat yeah, San Antonio. Yeah, we did. It was, it, was a good, it was a good ride back home. It really was. But uh, you keep taking care of your business and hopefully, hopefully you'll get some help down the road. It's interesting. I was just looking this up. Memphis, I think, is 14-4 and four in their last 18 games, but two of those right. losses were to New Orleans. So, unfortunately, I mean, not to say that it would definitely be a win, but there's only two more games against Memphis. That's the obviously the easiest way that you can gain ground and you don't have to worry about help from other teams. But I think one of the things that's interesting to think about when you talk about going 1-0 and every game, taking one game at a time, all those cliches, and also not worrying about other teams – this is me talking. This isn't something that the team has stated or I, I've heard any of the players talk about. But th- one thing I think about is you can't control what Memphis does. You can't control so, what some of these other teams do. But think about what an accomplishment it would be for the Pelicans to get to 500 after they were 16 games under at one point. They were seven and they were six and 22. Then they were seven right. and 23. I mean, that doesn't happen very often in the NBA. So I think, and I'm not I'm not saying that to say I'm conceding not making the playoffs because. A few years ago, Daniel and I have talked about this a few times. Pelicans were four games out with 11 to play and made that gap up against OKC. So to be five games out with 29 left is not insurmountable, especially if you can cut that down a little bit to a more manageable two or three games behind going into the, the ending, the closing run of the season. But 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 anyways, um, to me, like just in terms of what you can control, I know it's still a long ways to go. They're nine games under. 
But if they could get back to 500 by the end of the season, to me, that would be a heck of an accomplishment based on what, the way they started and where they came from. And that will take a 19-10 and 10 record to get to 41-41. and 41. I've been kind of judging it by the 30-game mark, which would have been a 20-10 and 10 mark. So you're already 1-0 in that standpoint. At the same time, you still have two games against Portland, one at home here, and then one after All-Star break. You still have two against the Memphis Grizzlies in March. You still have three against the San Antonio Spurs. You still have a couple or one against the Phoenix Suns. You're looking at teams that you're trying to chase here, and I know Memphis's schedule comes up later. Again, this is where the scoreboard watching comes in, but it is just fun to be a part of it. And we've, you know, we've been asking Alvin Gentry about it. You know, especially when you played Memphis, I think it was JD that asked about it. And he's like, "I'm not focused on that. I'm just focused on this team winning." But then you hear a guy like JJ Redick, who basically memorized how many games are back, how many are left, and how what their record is since December 25th. I mean, there are guys in that locker room. I'm guessing are paying attention to that stuff. It's funny because sometimes, I, you know, as broadcasters, I'm like, oh, you know, we pay attention to the schedule. Like, you just recited so many things on the schedule that I'm sure a lot of people don't know, like who we're playing, how many games we have left with each team and stuff like that. And sometimes, I, I don't know if it's just, like, my old way of thinking of, like, if you're a player, you're not necessarily looking at all that. You're just taking it game by game, just trying to win and just doing whatever you can. But then you have a guy like J.J. Reddick come along, and he just knows exactly the same things that all of us know. And he's like, yeah, we got to win this game. We're this many games back. It's just funny to see the different ends of the spectrum, especially with the youth that we have on this team where they're still probably in the college mindset of like, yeah, I'm just going to go out and play basketball. I think yeah, it's fine for everyone to have a different way of approaching things. I mean – I, I get the mentality that a lot of coaches have of saying, like, we don't want to look further ahead down the schedule. But if you can use that as motivation to understand, I mean, I know J.J. said on media day some profanities to Zion about how he wants to keep his, his streak of making the playoffs that's going. That's why he's paying attention right. to it. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, and if that's, if that's what gets you focused and locked in and motivated, then that's fine. I think everybody kind of has a different way of approaching things. I know, Daniel, we've talked about this on postgame radio i've said several times like the players and the coaches can take it's fine for them if they want to um just focus on the next game but you and i can we can talk about it all we want because we're not going to affect the results and think about think about it too jim and, and daniel and caroline how big the game is tomorrow night um now i i can go full drew Brees here and say it's the most important game because it's the next game yeah. but but think about it not only is portland ahead of you in the standings and not by much um, but if you win the game, you've got the season tie break on Portland, which mm -hmm. could very well come into play the way that this uh, last stretch is going to shape out. So tomorrow night is going to be very large in the Smoothie King Center. And I will say this, too. I think sometimes when there were plenty of teams going back a few years where they were four or five games out at this point in the season and you start talking about playoffs and people are like, come on, you're being ridiculous because of the team's record. But I think – What's different about this year, and I'm not making promises, I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs, but I think what's different is just the way that they've played over an extended period of time. It's not like we're talking about a team that has a three-game winning streak, and before that they were 6-14 and 14 in the previous 20 games. I mean, you're talking about a team that has been very good, I think, for the last six or seven weeks. So that, to me, is the difference in the conversation. Isn't it crazy when we got on the plane and went up to Minnesota and we had lost 13 games in a row, and you're thinking, goodness gracious, we're about to leave for nine days here mm -hmm. over Christmas. That was a back-to-back. <laughs> it was a back-to-back. -back. We had lost, I guess it was Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Yeah. Brooklyn. We're on the plane. We're going, oh, my goodness, mm -hmm. what are we getting ourselves into here? And the season completely changed you from, look at from the, that road trip. And you look at this stretch, you know, the 16-9 record, 
is like sixth or seventh best in the NBA. So like you mentioned, it's not just a measly two-game winning streak or three-game winning streak. This is playing some of the best basketball in the league, and teams are looking at us now as not with the record of 22 and 31. They're looking of this is basically like playing another potential playoff. By the way, it was one below zero when we landed in Minneapolis that (laughs) night, so that didn't make it any better. No, it did not. Um, But it is amazing how, you know, when I look now at the week ahead for the Pelicans and also the rest of the league, I'm circling – which games to keep an eye out on Tuesday and Wednesday about when the Portland play, when does Memphis play, but it's crazy how much, how far we have come. Um, we're running out of time here, but I want to talk about, you know, Zion Williamson, because we really haven't had a, a group discussion about it and the impact that he's had, you know, and, and JJ mentioned this too, and Alvin said it too about, you know, he kind of throw the first two games out the window a little bit because of the minute restriction and, you know, how much he played. And the Pelicans have only lost two games since then. Obviously, you showed the other night that the depth of this team is capable when he is out, when he's not on the floor. But as far as guys benefiting from Zion and what Zion's been able to do, Jim, can you just kind of put in perspective what you've seen from him through his first eight games of play? I mean, it's kind of like one of those kids that you grew up with who just walks into class and immediately is great at everything. Doesn't didn't. Didn't necessarily have to study. I'm not. I'm not making an analogy as far as saying that he wasn't prepared or anything like is. that. But, <laughs> but he just. It's a, it's incredible for him to be out for three months and just walk on the court and be able to do what he's done. Especially from a efficiency standpoint, he really has only had one game I think where he struggled shooting wise. But it, it it's it's. In, I mean, I know a lot of the number one picks have really high expectations, but for him to be able to just jump in after he'd been out and obviously it takes a little while to get a rhythm going. It's it's just. To me, I've just been just been so impressed, and it makes you if you forget sometimes that he's nineteen right. too. So yeah, and he's only going to get better. I mean, he's yep. he's he's still playing his way into basketball shape, and he's still figuring out the game. I mean, he's he's learning the speed. It's not preseason. This is not preseason. They're really going after him here. So he he's still got so much to learn. I mean, obviously, he's very very new in the, in his rookie season, but I mean, just this season, you feel he's going to make strides as we head into March and, and, and early April. I think the best thing that I've seen out of Zion is just how much joy the game still brings him because um, he can go out there and he's doing incredible things that bring other people joy, but he just looks like he's having so much fun and then he's just going out there and playing basketball and he's just opening up so many more things for other people on the team. You, you mentioned Nico Melli. Like, he's spreading the floor so much more. He's impacting the, the game in other ways. When you mentioned he had a, a poor shooting night the other, the other night, he's still still found ways to impact the game, whether it was on defense or rebounding or finding teammates, I think, uh, or attacking the basket and making sure he's going to the line and contributing from the free throw line. Um, I think it's just been fun to see, one, not only how much fun he's still having playing basketball, but two, just how much he's um, developing and learning on a game-by-game basis. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned the enjoyment part of it. When we were in Chicago on Thursday – after the game, one of the Chicago reporters was went up to some of the writers and was like, man, I'm so jealous of you guys. And we thought he was talking about Zion as far as just the potential that he has and just the, the player that he has on the court. But he was actually talking about the way Zion carried himself post-game in the interview that he did where he was having so much fun and smiling and laughing. And at one point he had an inter- interaction with one of the reporters where he the reporter asked a question about um, – I think it was coasting or something like that. And Zion said back to him, like, you know, why do you think that's disrespectful to, to ask that? And he um, was, like, just genuinely curious. So the point being that 
even he's he's even enjoying the interviews. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'll see if For that now. continues. <laughs> right, exactly. That's exactly where I was going to go next is like you hope that he's still that way 8 10 years into his career because it's it's hard to keep that same enthusiasm and 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 happiness and enjoyment, but man, it's 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 been su- such a breath of fresh air to see the way that he's um just seems to be happy with enjoying everything and i mean that's i think his approach is great as far as just the attention that he gets i mean that's to me that's the best way to deal with it yeah i'm going to piggyback on that i think it's remarkable the way he handles this because we see and we have seen when we walk into these cities and these hotels and these arenas i mean you think about it everywhere he goes there is a camera phone on him there is a you know tv camera on every move he makes Somebody is documenting it everywhere he goes. He's doing these interviews. He's signing things. And he's 19 and he's handling it. I, I don't know how he does it. It would drive me crazy. I'm going to end this podcast with the um, most outrageous question. Oh, boy. One that you can put up there with ESPN's first take and all their craziness. Does Zion have a chance to win rookie of the year? If we get to the playoffs, absolutely. And, he, and he's playing. If he plays consistently like yes. this, putting up. I'm not going to say he's going to put up 20 a game and every by, single by the time. Way, by the way, he probably could have gone the other night if it was a if it was a yeah. kind of a must-type situation. Yeah. He came out and warmed up before the game. So, I, I you know, hope, the risk, yeah. yeah, they're obviously playing, playing it very, very safe with him. But if he plays consistently and stays on the court and gets 15 to 20 a game and 7, 8 rebounds a game, absolutely. I'm going to say that he – should have a chance to win Rookie of the Year if everything happens the way that Todd just laid it out. But I'm going to say that he might not have a chance because there's so many people that vote on it that have already decided that he hasn't, he yeah, won't be able to play games. enough games. Right. When you first start, started talking about first take, you threw me off because I was expecting you to throw in something about Dak Prescott and Tom yeah, Brady. Maybe I was very the question: Tom Brady to, I mean, Tom Brady to the the Cowboys to the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah. So that that just totally threw me off. But anyways, so this was that question was okay, kind of warranted maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. no, that's, that's valid. I don't think it's too on the wall or off the wall, rather. Okay, because I know there's been some craziness, but I just wanted to make sure. I know I think it was Patrick Ewing that won it. Playing 52 games, I think that's the least amount of games someone's played to win Rookie of the Year. Correct me huh. if I'm wrong. I could be wrong, but it was someone that played about 50 games. Zion wouldn't hit 50 games this year, but I just didn't know the impact. You know he'll get some votes for sure. I just didn't know if there was a chance. Like I know John Moran has something to say about that, and he'll yeah. make sure to tweet about I, that. I just but. think a lot of it has to do with how yeah. the Pels end up in the playoff race. And Embiid, everyone agreed that when Embiid was a rookie, yeah. he, he should have, he would have won Rookie of the Year if he had played more games, but he played like 32, I think, or something like that. So that was, and there wasn't really anyone else that year that stood out a ton. Brogdon was a decent rookie right. and won Rookie of the Year. So we'll see. Based on precedent, it doesn't seem very promising that he'll be given a fair shot at being able to win Rookie of the Year. Any plans for All Star break? What are we doing? Relaxing? Just hanging out? Enjoying it? Going? Anyone? We've got Mardi Gras this weekend. Yeah. I'm going to take my kids to a parade since I can't take them to any more because yeah. we're going out of town next weekend. So, uh, and, uh, you know, college baseball starting this weekend, so I get a chance to go out and watch uh, watch my wave play a little bit. Todd was just drooling, just so everyone knows. He just drooled when he mentioned college be- baseball. <laughs> I got family coming into town, and right now my priority is to not still be sick when they get here. So I'm, I don't know how exciting I'm going to be for All-Star Weekend, but hopefully I'll be 100% by then. You don't sound too exciting. Why don't you go home? <laughs> All right. Just get Take out the day Sounds off. good. All right, appreciate you guys tuning in. Again, Wednesday we'll have Ben Golliver kind of get a national perspective on the Pelicans. Um, his thoughts on Brandon Ingram, Zion Williams, and more. 
And then we'll, we'll get you ready for Pelicans and Thunder on Thursday. Of course, Pelicans and Blazers tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Please be there. Let's get a playoff-like atmosphere going because it's a very crucial game for the Pelicans. Look to carry that momentum from this road trip into Tuesday's game. Of course, this podcast is presented by SeatGeek. Trying to find tickets to basketball games or any other live event can be complicated. There's hundreds of sites and shady pricing with SeatGeek. You can do everything in one place. Search for and discover the best deals on seats. Buy from any device and sell and transfer tickets in just a couple of taps. Best of all, our listeners will get $20 off their first purchase in the app. Use the code GOPELS, all one word, at checkout. SeatGeek, score the best deals on tickets while everyone gets up. I think I'll end the show. Until Wednesday, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek.